0: Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find Hope in the Heart of Family Life with us. Welcome everybody to another episode of No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. My name is Alicia. I am your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, and I am here in my closet once again with our founder, Um, lead belief therapist, and my favorite title mom, Abby Shields.
1: Hey, glad to be here once again in the closet. I know. I've been
0: bringing guests in the closet, and they actually compliment me on how clean my closet is. Thank you very much. I might
1: need to shrine this or something (laughs) or other.
0: So, um, but it's good to have you back. Thank you. So... Um, we are, we have been going through the Heart to Parenting series, and really what I love about this approach is that it really does take a relational approach, um, that it's not just about, you know, the steps and the instructions, but it really comes from the foundation of understanding the heart of your child. Right. Yeah, because each
1: child is different. Yes,
0: yeah. and the role of influence and all of these different things. Now, there are practical things to this series, and if you haven't listened to the previous parts of the series, I highly recommend that you stop right now and go back because there's a lot of good stuff. Um, but we are going to jump into a topic uh, today that, I mean, it's a biggie. It is big. It's and it's we're talking about communication. It's so big that we are actually going to have two parts right. on communication because, you know, based on what. I've learned from you is that our communication it involves a lot of different aspects and it is very important in the role of shaping and developing
1: your Absolutely. child. I mean when you think about it in communication, I mean that really is part of the process that God uses with you as a parent as a tool to form the soul of a child. yeah, And I just think that if all of the ones that we've talked about so far, communication is huge because it helps. Because I think the way you communicate with your child shapes their emotional development, and, and that, which will then lead to more emotionally healthy relationships later on in their life.
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, <laughs> you know, we all, I think most parents have the heart um to communicate well with our kids, <laughs> but we probably don't do it. I know I
1: myself don't... And I didn't, do it at all. Yeah,
0: a lot of this stuff is definitely
1: like... Things I learned by not doing what I'm telling <laughs> you, so do as I'm saying, don't do as I did way back when. Yes, and just what God has
0: showed you um, through all that. So um, I did, I mean, most of the time, especially when things get hard and kids are not listening and doing all this, I mean, communication with our kids turns into, you know, the form of yelling. Like, that's what, (laughs) that's what we do. That's what we resort to, whether we want to or not. And there's this great little story I want to read um, to start off with that, I don't know, I think it's, it's kind of funny, Um, but true. Yes. So um, it's talking about the Solomon Islands, that sounds like a fabulous And this place. is a
1: story written by Robert Fulcrum. Okay. And uh, it's one of my favorites as it comes to communication.
0: Okay. So
1: Robert Fulcrum writes, it says, In the Solomon
0: Islands in the South Pacific, some villagers practice a un- unique form of logging. If a tree is too large to be felled with an axe, the natives cut it down by yelling at it. Can't lay my hands on the article, but I swear I read it. Woodsmen with special powers creep up on the tree just at dawn and suddenly scream at it at the top of their lungs. They continue this for thirty days. The tree dies and falls over. The theory is that the hollering kills the spirit of the tree. According to the villagers, it always works. Ah, those poor naive in inno- naive innocents, such quaintly charming habits of the jungle, screaming at trees indeed. How primitive. Too bad they don't have the advantages of modern technology in the scientific mind. Me? I yell at my wife and yell at the telephone and the lawnmower and yell at the TV and the newspaper and my children. I've been known to shake my fist and yell at the sky at times. Man next door yells at his car a lot and this summer I heard him yell at the stepladder for most of the afternoon. We modern, urban, educated folks yell at traffic and umpires and bills and banks and machines, especially machines. Machines and relatives get most of the yelling. Don't know what good it does. Machines and things just sit there. Even kicking doesn't always help. As for people, well, the Solomon Islanders may have a point. Yelling at living things does tend to kill the spirit in them. Sticks and stones may break
1: our bones, but words will break our hearts. Amen. That is so true. And I was a screamer. I mean, I raising you to you and Stephen. I, you know, I yelled. At oh you, yes, a lot. I remember. Yeah, I yelled a lot. <laughs> yes, and I, you know, when I
0: get in those moments where I yell at my kids, um, and get easily frustrated with them, I think about that. I think about this story, and I think about um, just the the tone, um, you know, of of my communication uh, can I'm like, what damage am I doing yeah. right now to my <laughs> child? And that's that's the first place that I want to start today is that communication um, with your child isn't just about the words that no. come out of your mouth. No. So,
1: yeah, every interaction you have with your child, every interaction you have with your child is a form of communication. Yeah. Okay, and it, like you said, it's not just about the words you say, you know. So, so what other
0: things, like, what else are we talking about? I, I mean, I, I
1: definitely think tone. Definitely, the tone of your voice. Um, another one is eye contact, making sure that you're looking at them and they can see your heart and, and what you mean. You know, I, but be careful with that eye contact because I would do eye contact with Alicia and I would give her the look. And it was the look. Just communicating with that look that caused her to know mom was serious. And so she still kids me about the look sometimes. Yeah. You know. So another form of communication would be using praise and encouragement or making sure that you're paying attention. I think listening is huge in communication with a child and then also respecting your child's feelings. Yeah. And, and then, most of all, I think the, um, something that. I think really makes a difference is physical touch but the physical touch i used was not always kind and gentle it was, was not pop- well
0: and it communicated something yeah it so when something. when it wasn't kind and gentle i mean yeah. it just goes to your point that it communicates something something to your kids so right. physical touch um can very much be a part of that so um want to jump into you know what What does God call us to in, in communication? And one scripture that kind of sticks out in terms of talking and dealing with our mouths is Ephesians 4 29. And it says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So I'd, I'd really love to take some time and talk about, all right, if, if our call is to parent our children well and be, um, a picture of Christ to them, you know, to model Christ to them. Um, and part of that process is our communication. So what does it look like or how, how are, how is, excuse me, how does God want us to communicate Communicate with with our our kids? kids? Right.
1: Okay. well, in my in my translation of the Bible, it says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building others up as it fits the occasion. And so key words there are no unwholesome talk and then also for building others up. So this scripture is, first of all, what he wants us to understand, that this is a call to other centered communication. It's really important to understand that as a parent that our reaction to our children is not done for me or for us but out of loving consideration for your child it's other centered and then there's something that i want for you in other words as a parent we want our children to learn the lessons and so there's something that i want for you but it's not that you would be simply proven wrong or put in your place too often as parents we that's what we want to do they hurt us we want to hurt them back. And we've got to be careful. And that's why this is such an important scripture to remember. And the, the thing is that this passage calls me to the polar opposite of what the culture of reactivity does and ultimately produces. In other words, we it goes against our sin nature because remember the DNA of sin is self. Yeah. And so it goes against us, living for self, but being other-centered rather than self-centered, okay? So and if I'm understanding you
0: correctly, what what you're saying is that when we are communicating with our child, it is about being focused
1: on... Them. Them. And what you want them to learn, okay? okay? And modeling the form of communication as Christ would communicate because we are called to be Christ's ambassadors. Right. And Especially if, to our kids. Especially to our kids because, and I always tell parents, I said, if you really want your children to get to know Jesus, live Jesus and communicate the way Christ would in your home. He didn't let any unwholesome talk come out of his mouth. All right. He, was, he used his words to build up instead of tearing down.
0: Yeah. So
1: important.
0: Is that yeah. kind of When you talk about, because I've heard you use the phrase, other-centered consideration. Right. So is that, what is that exactly? Like, what do you, what does that mean? Well,
1: that you want to start with the end result, and the end result is that your children are treated with dignity and respect. I mean, that's kind of how this ministry even began 20-some years ago was I had a dream that one day all people would treat one another with dignity and respect. And because that's so important to remember in your communication, it's all about the other person. It's not about what you want, what you need. It's about what you want to convey to them in your words and your actions.
0: So outside of, like, if we had to sum up or characterize, you know, what the core of, you know, Christ-centered communication with our children I mean I'm I'm picking up on that it is to be other centered but is there something else that you would say plays a vital role in you know the Christ-centered communication the way God wants us to communicate with our kids
1: right Well, I think the core character quality in us as a parent uh, in wholesome communication is the bottom line it's love. Mm. loving them well, to be able to watch the tone, watch how you interact with your children. Are you treating them with respect? Um, are you letting that five-year-old push your buttons to where you become a... No, that never <laughs> happens. <laughs> where you become a screaming, raving maniac. I mean, it, it is. It's it's being aware of those things. And really, this could not be possible without grace, without God's divine influence on your heart to help you with this, because it so goes totally against our human nature, which is to react rather than to respond as Christ would.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a. this is a good point to just point out, is that no parent is going to no. communicate perfectly. perfectly with their child. And I mean... Really, you know, I think one of the uh, key things in parenting is actually modeling humility to our kids. In that, when we do mess up, when we do yell, when we don't handle our anger in a proper way, being able to go to our kids and humble ourselves and apologize. Right. That's huge. And say, Mom lost her anger or lost her temper and you know, I'm sorry for reacting that way and
1: mm-hmm.
0: because' we're, we are imperfect people and you know only as we experience Christ and his love and forgiveness and grace for us are we able to extend it to ourselves and extend it to our kids. Um, so this isn't about being perfect, I guess is no is what I want to point out, but that these are these are the the aim. The, it's the goal
1: yeah it's the goal of parenting yeah and and as you grow in your knowledge and understanding of christ and the power of the resurrected life in you calling on that instead of living out of your flesh yes for yourself which we'll talk about i think yeah. here in a few minutes
0: and i mean it's funny that you mentioned flesh here because that's kind of where i wanted to take um you know a a, ter- a little bit of a pivot or a turn is like okay So, yes, like, we set up this ideal of being other-centered in our communication and speaking only things that build up and speaking from a place of love and loving them well. And it all, like, with this beautiful picture of what wonderful communication (laughs) with
1: our kids. Well, and this is affected by stress, your schedule... Are you hungry? Are you tired? Do you have a lot to get done? And the kids are one of, are pulling on your shirt sleeve. Yes. Uh, I mean, it, it. we're talking real here. Yes. Okay, these are the ideals and it's the goal, but I understand when I'm talking with parents that it's okay, but then you always want to step back and say, okay, what happened? What did I learn? And what can I do different the next time so I can communicate more effectively yeah. with my kids? Every time I communicate from my position as a parent, the goal is for it to be a beautiful picture of the authority of God because I am, remember, radiating Christ to my kids, all right? Yep. So what does that look like? It wise. Um, I a lot of, 90% of what I talk about comes from scriptures, so it's the God's wisdom to be able to... Um, teach them that. Uh, Be patient with your children. Firm. I mean, it's really important to be firm, to let them know that, you're the authority; they're the child, and sometimes that gets switched around. Loving and, but most of all, consistent. Yes, children need consistency, and that is okay. so hard to be
0: consistent yes. sometimes, right. Right. for sure. Right. right.
1: Yep. But then, unfortunately, our communication with our children becomes what? doesn't
0: always it, it doesn't always work that way, and yeah. so that's kind of where I want to camp for a little while. So, what are all of these impacting variables? you know, that stand in the way of doing this? Because, I mean, we paint the picture of what communication should look like. And, you know, we, we strive for that. But I mean, as imperfect humans, you know, we fall short. And what
1: are some of those? Well, I just, I just mentioned some of them is that, you're stressed. You're on a schedule. You need to get out the door in a hurry. I find morning time is often getting the kids out the door to school it can be a very stressful time, and there can be words of you know that are not very honoring to each other, um, which I hate because I hate that my child would start the day in such a with me being in a bad mood. Yeah. So it, that's why I always try to tell parents and commun- you know in communication is that. Try to get things done the night before so your mornings can be a little bit more free to do that. And
0: I think what you're saying is that, like, you know, there are certain environments and situations that set parents up for their communication to become
1: reactionary. Right, right right and bottom line is that i react when i want something and my child's not giving it to me that's why you know in james it says why do you quarrel and fight cuz you're not getting what you want it's the same thing why do you why does your communication go south it's because your child you want something from your child and they're not giving it to you but here's the thing if i yell at my child and walk away that is not communicating the way god desires us to i mean if you think about it right there's no help yelling at your child. There's, there's You don't give yeah. them any help. There's no guidance. Um, there's no real wisdom in that. And then ultimately, there's no transformation because that's the goal. You want them to transform their behavior so that they that there can be positive, productive behavior in the home, okay? And ultimately, with that, the sad part is there, the consequences have been given, but the heart of the child is wounded and not changed for the better. Kind of like your story that you did in the very beginning Mm. with that. So, um, but, but then let's go further with that. Children don't come into the world loving authority, okay? None of us do, little kids, especially children, teenagers as well. Don't come into the world loving authority. That sin causes self-centeredness. I've said that over and over again, and we will continue to say that, that the DNA of sin is self. So how does that play out in communication? Well, the child says, I don't need to listen to you. I'm capable of ruling myself, and you will not rule me. And then you get into that push, push back. Can you relate to any of that? Yes, definitely. Okay. Children are are natural, they're naturally rebellion to us communicating from our authority as a parent. And then the problem becomes is that when we use our authority abusively, they then are going to fight against it and it deepens the rebellion of the heart. Yeah, I
0: love that. So I love that example that you give when you're speaking that you will call somebody up and you will just begin to push on their hand. Mm -hmm. And um, you don't give them any instruction on what to do when you push on their hand. And like nine times out of ten, if not ten times out of ten, the natural reaction of the person is they they start pushing back on your hand. Right. And then you turn it around and they push on your hand and you don't push back. And you say, notice the difference there, that when I've started pushing on your hand... Your automatic reaction is to push back. Right. And isn't that what happens when, you know, with our children is they, they push on us, you know, because they're not doing, you know, they're they're pushing on us what they want to do or don't want to do. And then we get angry and we push back on them. And then it becomes this. Eventually
1: you push each other apart yes, out the door. Yes. You know. Yeah, so it's really really thing here's the thing on authority though that it's really important that you as a parent set up in your communication is that when we get abusive with authority we're not we're distorting the picture of the, what authority is meant to be and children I think as we've said in a previous um, episode is that children need structure and order, and order and order and they need authority and ultimately as a parent, that authority can be beautiful, it can be protective, um, loving, uh, guiding them, like we talked about the shepherd's rod, guiding, using mm-hmm. the, sh- the rod to guide your child. Um, but when we get abusive with this authority, that's when it turns south, and it hardens the child's heart against us. And then they grow up angry. And disconnected for the from the family unit. That's why communication is such an important topic. Because it, I, I, I can see that because it distorts the view of,
0: you know, um, it distorts the view of authority. Instead right. of it, like you said, instead of it being something that's beautiful and done out of protection and done out of love, and and produce- out of love right. it's comes from a place of fear and a source of shame, probably. Right, yep. um, You know, because no matter what they do, like, you know, if we're so critical of our kids, then they just kind of give up. They give up. You know, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, that's... I never thought of it like that.
1: That's, that's big. Yeah, I, I want my child to view authority as a wonderful thing, that it's there because I love them, I, I'm teaching them, not being abusive with them. Unfortunately, I did not model that to you guys.
0: Yes, very true. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, you know, I mean, all of this that we're talking about is, it can be so, so hard. You know, talk a little bit about the reasons why, This is so hard, like being consistent, being other um, focused, you know, staying calm, watching our tone, all of that kind of stuff.
1: Well, because it goes totally against our humanness. Our, Our humanness is all about self. Yeah. Okay. And that bottom line, that's it. It goes totally against what we in our sin nature, live for. Because in our sin nature, we live for ourselves. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5.15, that's such an important scripture to understand the dynamics of this. It says, Christ died so that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him. So when you are Christ-focused instead of self-focused, you are going to be aware of it more you're going to be aware of grace as i've taught you and grace is his divine influence on your heart that changes your thoughts and your belief your beliefs your thoughts and your emotions which will change ultimately your reactions and so then the question you want to ask yourself is what is it in the life of my child that causes me to react the loudest Because when I react the loudest, that's oftentimes a major issue that I want something and I'm not getting it. Okay. And so the question becomes, do those moments have to do with what is right, true or beautiful or are they all about what you want and are not getting? So
0: unpack that a little bit for me. So can you give me an example of, you know, what you just said, does like the moments, are you talking about the moments where we get upset?
1: Yeah. In other words, look at it. What is what is it that causes you to get and react the loudest? What upsets you the most? Okay. okay. Like I used to get upset with you and Steven when you wouldn't pick up your toys. All right. It really bothered me. Okay. Oftentimes, a quality about ourselves that we don't like about ourselves that we see in our kids is one of those things that can cause us to react. Right. Okay. So so
0: does it, that have any? I guess what I'm asking is, does that fall in that category of right, true, or beautiful? And
1: no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. It so that's the question you want to ask yourself: Is it is this right, true, or beautiful as it pertains to communicating with my child? Now you don't want. Yes, you you want to be stern and you want to be set boundaries. It's not. Let them do whatever they want to do, and not pick up their toys. Not pick up their toys, or you go pick them up for them, and all of that. That's a whole nother subject in parenting. But as far as communicating, the reason it's hard is because it goes against our desire. Because we want to live for ourselves, do what we want. Same thing as the kids when they say, "I'm capable of ruling myself." You will not rule. Same thing we say: "You're not going to rule me." And then you get then you get into that push push back stuff that Alicia talked about. You know that you talked about. Yeah. So. Yep. Anyway, I hope that helps. I did it.
0: Yeah. No, that made um, that made a lot of sense, um, and I think too what it comes down to if if i'm understanding you correctly it's our motive for communication like that's really what we're talking about there is am i communicating out of anger or am i com- communicating to struct, instruct <laughs> to instruct or teach and
1: um, you know all of those things two things i think there's two motives one is self-focused motive and then the other one is christ-centered motive okay Bottom line, it's those two. And it's what I teach in my office. Are you living according to what God wants you to live from, or are you living according to what the world has tried to teach you? Okay. So the self-focused motive of communication is that basically it's, listen, these are my kids, and it's my job to form them into what I think they should be. All right? There's a saying that when we give up trying to make our children into what we think they should be and allow them to become who God created them to be, Life works a whole lot better, but if you are self-focused, that it's all about you, and it's all about your reputation and raising your children for what the neighbors think, then it's going to be, my children belong to me, and my job is to form them into what I think they should be, okay? to produce things that I think are good, and my job is to get it from them. Okay? That's self-focused. Communication. And, and so
0: then the way we talk to our kids is all based out of... Self. Self.
1: I mm-hmm. it. Yep. Right. But if you are Christ-centered and you are living as an ambassador for Christ, remember Second uh, Corinthians 5.20 says... It, um, you are called to be Christ's ambassadors as if God himself were making his appeal through you. I take that job seriously, especially now, okay? Because back when I was raising you, I didn't know Jesus. I had no training, no spiritual life whatsoever. And so my life showed. But now that I am a uh, an ambassador for Christ, I take that job seriously with my words and my actions. Because from there... It's really important that that I know that God is the owner of my children, not me. He gives my child to me to raise them to get to know Him. So And I think you know, I think it's really easy to overlook our
0: children. you know that we we focus on that being ambassadors to cry you know of Christ to
1: everybody. Else. everybody
0: else. I think it's real easy to remember that the most important people we are called to do that to is our children children and our spouse. And yet they're sometimes the ones that get the brunt and everything that's left over from a long, hard day. I, I know for me, that's what I always try to keep in mind that I am called to my children first. And I think being in ministry, especially, it can be really hard and it doesn't have to be just ministry. It can be Work, you know, life, just the general responsibilities that we have that um, we get our priorities mixed up uh, because the influence, the greatest influence we have is here in our home. And um, that that should be the focus. Mm -hmm. So
1: um, every moment in communicating with your children, you are to be the representative of the one I've been called to represent or that you've been called to represent. He's the one my children belong to, yes. and he lends them to me for a period of time to raise them up, to point them to him. Yeah, which gets back to the point that we talked about in the first episode,
0: was that we have influence, we don't have control yes. as parents. And Absolutely. I think when we stop trying to control our kids, and we realize that we have influence over them, that again changes our motive for communication so um so yeah so next week we're going to get into a lot of the practical stuff right right about you know what does it you know practical ways to communicate
1: with your child what are some of the things that you can do instead of blowing a gasket and getting angry what can you do instead so that you can get the end result out of what you want them to do yeah yeah good stuff
0: All right, it is time for our counselor's corner, and this is the segment where listeners can write in with their questions, kind of in a Dear Abby format, and pretend like they're sitting down on your couch, and you can answer that question to the best of your ability in five minutes based on... Nothing that you know about the person <laughs> writing in. So they're they're challenging, but they've been fun. They have been fun. For you. Uh, for me, maybe. I like stumping her, mm. I think. So, um, so Susan writes in. She says, I'm having trouble getting my toddler to listen when I ask them to pick up. Any tips or thoughts on how to make this process
1: less hard is how she puts it. One of the... Especially with a toddler, one of the easiest ways to get a toddler to pick up their toys or to do the things that you are asking them to do is to create a game, to have it use your sense of humor, um, be playful with them, and to teach them because the end result of what you want is for the toys to be picked up. So uh, one of the things you could do would play Beat the Clock, where you would set a timer and you would say, okay, who can pick up the most toys in the minute that we have? And mom's gonna play against you and the winner gets an extra five minutes at bedtime or something like that. And, And just to have it be fun or to sing songs while you're doing toys. I know Alicia, when she was teaching her boys, her toddlers to pick up, she would get a laundry basket and they would take turns holding the laundry basket, or she would hold them because they were kind of small. But they would march around the house, you know, singing songs or just marching, march, 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 march. And, they, and as they were marching, they would all pick up the toys and put them in the laundry basket, and that seemed to work. You, I don't think. Yeah, you,
0: we did. Well, we did march, but there was a song that we, we would sing
1: while we would.
0: Yeah, clean and what up. was that song? I'm not singing. Oh. <laughs> no <laughs> so but there was a song that we would sing and that did it I mean it, it again it changed their perspective on right the yeah. doing the thing that they didn't
1: really want to do okay. or use your sense of humor I remember my husband when the kids were little um, he would play the tickle monster and so the tickle monster would come after them after the children, you know, after the two of them, if they didn't pick up their toys, he'd, he'd do the tickle monster and go after them and tickle them until they laughed. I feel and... that
0: that would make me not want to pick up my toys because oh, yeah. I liked
1: being tickled. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. yeah so. <laughs>
0: Maybe it worked on Steven. Uh, yeah. I don't know.
1: <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I find that when you're faced with that, um, humor and lightheartedness works a whole lot better with kids than anger and yelling and getting getting upset with them because they're not doing what you want them to do yeah i would definitely agree so hope that helps
0: thank you so much for joining us on no heart left behinds hope in the heart of family life podcast we hope you felt seen encouraged and just a little more equipped to love your family well If you want to learn more about No Heart Left Behind, be sure to check out our website, www.NoHeartLeftBehind.com or visit the link in the show notes. If you love the podcast, we would love it if you would follow us on your favorite podcast player. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Your encouragement is not just for our egos. It really helps others find the show and encourages them to check it out. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So until we see you again next week, go home and be a world changer.